Blog Talk Radio. Welcome down to the hoodies. I am Bill Kegel. I'm joined by Tony from Syracuse, a.k.a. Uh, the new partner in crime on this show. Tony, what is happening? Oh, you know what I forgot to do? I don't know why. Hold on. Let's see if I'm patching him in for whatever reason. This new system we're doing has him on hold, and I don't know why. So, all right, Tony. Welcome to Under the Hoodies. I'm Bill Kegel. That's Tony DiNicola. Tony, what is happening, buddy? All right. I have no earthly idea what's going on. So, Tony, if you can hear me, hang up. I'm going to disconnect you and just call into the show. All right. So, I don't know what is going on there. Some technical difficulties again, which which does happen So from time to time. So, that's okay. Um, I'm just sending Tony the number to call in. Uh, see if I can do it from memory. It doesn't look like I can because I forgot the last four. All right. Um, all right. And, you know, that goes for everybody, too, actually. If anybody wants to call into the show, it's 760-283-0846. Again, six, excuse me, 760-283-0846. So go ahead and call into the show tonight if you'd like. Um, we're basically going to be doing the show until we don't feel like doing it anymore or I get tired or 930 rolls along and you, Tony and I keep yawning into the uh, microphones here. So, Again, I don't know what's going on. Maybe a little technical difficulties. Tony dropped off the airwaves here. But uh, we have a really good show for you lined up tonight. Um, we're going to talk a little uh, early NFL playoff picture stuff, um, some uh, World Series talk to end the show. We're going to talk about some potential MVP candidates. Tony has this alleged um, MVP candidate that, uh, that you know he's going to surprise me by then it's probably Phil Rivers. Phil Rivers is my guess as who he's trying to bring up, but, uh, you know, he's probably thinking of somebody different now because I've set all the potential MVP candidates, and the one he actually didn't vehemently deny was Phil Rivers. So I'm pretty sure it's Phil Rivers. But hopefully Tony's not listening to this right now. I did text him and uh, wanted him to call in. Oh, he probably heard everything I just said because he's on hold. All right. Cody from Syracuse, how are you? Hello. Are we working on what's going on? I don't know what happened there, buddy. Sorry about that. That'll happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, so I'll just go over sort of what we were going to do for the show tonight. Some MVP candidates. Your, you know, I guess this this mysterious MVP candidate you have, which is probably Philip Rivers. Um, we're going to talk a little bit Buffalo Bills, Tom Brady, uh, New England Patriots against the Bills this week. ESPN and why they get crap Monday night football games. I've heard some interesting theories, and uh, you know, I wanted to sort of discuss it. We're also going to talk about the uh, the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. But first, Tony, we're going to talk about stuff you pay for and when it doesn't work. So, Tony, do you get frustrated like I do? I pay you know two hundred and ten dollars a month for uh, mine and my wife's cell phone bill, right? And we have unlimited data all that jazz, you know, but we're still paying like $210. And sometimes in Buffalo, not exactly New York city, but there's parts of this area where I don't get service. Does that frustrate you when you pay for something and you don't get exactly what you're looking for? I have no earthly idea. Yeah, I can hear you now, Tony. Um, Did you hear anything I just said? I heard something about cell phone bill. I hear like every sixth word that you say. Oh, okay. now start. can you hear every every you can hear every word I'm saying now? Right now, yeah. Okay, perfect. 
All right. So what I was saying is like how you like buy stuff that's that you know costs a lot of money, right? And say you know you're walking around and you're like, oh crap, I dropped a call and I'm paying two hundred dollars a month for my cell phone bill. That bugs you, right? So you pay for this stuff, and a lot of times it doesn't work, and you can't figure out why it doesn't work. It's just really frustrating. Say you buy like a fridge or something. And, you know, we'll say it was $2,200, and it's a really nice fridge, matches your kitchen. But, you know, the freezer starts melting and getting water all over your floor in the kitchen that was just redone. That's frustrating, right? So you pay for this service or, or uh, you know, thing, and it doesn't work. How, I mean, how mad does that make you? Oh, good hell. All right. Basically, the point I was trying to get at is that's what the Texans are doing right now with uh, Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler is, for whatever reason, Tony, are you there now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good gravy. You've been on hold. So, basically, what I was getting at was uh, Brock Osweiler and how Brock Osweiler is getting paid a lot of money and the Texans paid a lot of money for him, but he's not really working. And I'm comparing that to having a broken appliance that you just got and you paid a lot of money for or a cell phone bill that's absurd every month, but you're hoping you would get service everywhere considering the company that you have service with just bought Time Warner for $80 billion. Okay, so basically that's the point I was trying to make. So the Texans have an appliance that doesn't work, that they paid a lot of money for, but the difference is, obviously, you can't call Denver back and be like, yeah, you need to come fix this thing because it's pretty broke. It's pretty broke. So, basically, what do you think is going on with Brock Osweiler? Uh, I just don't think he's that talented. He's not accurate at all. And for him to call it DeAndre Hopkins and uh, blame him, it's just completely absurd. When Hopkins had an amazing season last year with – I can't even name his quarterbacks he had last year. and He had a great year. And now, now Osweiler comes in and just overthrows him, underthrows him. The guy just doesn't look like a professional quarterback at all. I don't know what smoke and mirrors Denver was able to do with him last year, but this is a case where just going for more money just wasn't worth it. And it's not even like Houston offered him a ton more. He should have just stayed in Denver. I mean, I get that he was a little upset that they benched him for Peyton, but, you know, understand it's Peyton Manning. That's going to happen. Right, and he wasn't playing that well when he was benched. It isn't like he was setting the world on fire. It isn't like he was playing like uh, Dak Prescott, and then you know he, and then he, they brought in like Peyton Manning after the fact, you know, because he's Peyton Manning. It's like, nah, you weren't that good. And Peyton Manning came in because Peyton Manning was better at running the offense than you were. And 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 I actually think Brock Osweiler just sucks. I mean, there's no flat out way to put it. He's he's no better than Brian Hoyer. We'll just say it like that. I mean, that's what he is. He's been in the league for a long enough time. He should show flashes, and I literally have seen nothing from him. And and you know what? Guys like Brock Osweiler and Brian Hoyer, they have their moments. They they have their moments, but you know when it comes down to it, that's exactly you're exactly right. You hit the nail right on the head. He's just not that good of a quarterback. I mean, I I, I was laying in bed and I was watching the game, and uh, my wife was laying next to me, and I was like, well, that's an eighteen million dollar throw. And then she goes, what? And then I said, oh, watch this. And then he throws another one. It was supposed to be an out route, and it just skips off the ground. I was like, another $18 million throw. Can you believe that this guy is getting paid this kind of money, and he's just missing guys left and right, overthrow, underthrow, guys running the wrong route or him throwing to the wrong route? It, it just was It was just embarrassing. So I don't know. But I feel bad for the Texans because with that roster, if they even had a competent quarterback, let alone an Andrew Luck type, good gravy, that team would be one of the favorites in the AFC. But – Definitely, 
you know, definitely not looking good for Houston. Yeah, I mean, the thing that benefits Houston is the division they're in, and what a dumpster fire the AFC South is. It's pretty much what the NFC East yeah. was last year. Houston, I think it's four and three. Every other team in the division, I, I believe it's like three and four. I think the Jags are two and four, and everybody's still in it. Like, they're just the the best of the worst, basically. It's god-awful that they could be this bad with their quarterback and still lead that division. I mean, think about it. They're going to get a home playoff game. That's absurd. Possibly, but I still think Tennessee is going to win that division. Um, I, I mean, I really do. I, I think that their defense is really good. They run the ball. They do a lot of the same things that the Bills do, and that's going to segue nicely into our next conversation, which is about the uh, your Buffalo Bills. And by your, I don't mean you, Tony. I just mean your, as in probably the most of the people that listen to this show are Buffalo Bills fans. But, um, but yeah, no, that'll segue nicely in. The Titans and the Bills are a lot alike. Really good defense, really good running game, not getting a lot from the passing game, but just enough not to, uh, not to blow, you know, not to blow games. But with the Buffalo Bills, what did, what do you think happened to them? I mean, what, what you are, you know what, how about this? I'll start it like this. You called it last week. You 1,000% called this. You were like, this is a trap game. This is what the Bills do to their fans. And I said, yeah, but, you know, that's like – that's one of those silly things like curses. You know, curses don't exist in my opinion. I think that – I think that teams are just either lucky or unlucky. You get hot at the right time or you don't. But sometimes these things happen where I, you know, question my – question my uh, my, my, my own um, – thoughts with do I believe in curses I don't and then things like the Bills game happen and then I'm like maybe they exist yeah I don't even think it's a curse so much as it's just the culture of the Bills like I said they get their fans they give them a glimmer of hope they get very high and optimistic and it just gets ripped out from them I mean you can go back through the last five years even there's example after example I mean that year they went 5-0 and with Trent Edwards they were looking great they go into MetLife against the mm-hmm. Giants don't look so good. And that's right after Edwards got a giant extension. Or a couple of years ago, the Patriots right. coming to town. They're looking great. They're up two touchdowns on the Patriots. And I believe Brady torched them in the final two and a half quarters and beat them by at least three scores. It happens time and again. I, I feel like you're inside that Buffalo bubble and it's, you're, you're being affected by all those people around you and how they're getting to you. And the fact that I got out of it and got back to Syracuse, I can see it more from the outside now. And it's I feel so bad for those fans. I, I hate ripping on the Bills, but they just they earn it at every single turn. They do this every time. They do. And, and to some extent I agree with that. But I thought what I looked at was Ryan Hannahill. That's the one thing I really looked at was Ryan Hannahill. The Bills rushed the quarterback really well. What I did see happening is uh, Ajayi, I'm probably saying his name wrong, uh, Jay Ajayi was just an absolute force of nature against the Bills, who I thought had a decent off, or excuse me, decent defensive line that would do something, and pretty good linebackers. And uh, But, no, I mean, there was just nothing they could do against him. The holes, I mean, you and I could have ran for 100 yards on some of those holes, and they were just pushing the Bills' defensive line all the way around, all, all over the field. And, obviously, Marcel Darius, I think, would have been the key to winning that game because the game was close on paper. But if you watched it, it really didn't look like the Bills had control of that game at all, even though they lost by three. 
Um, but yeah, I, I was just, I was really surprised how ineffective the Bills offense was specific, uh, specifically the running game, which obviously there's a reason for that and that we're going to get into in a second. But I mean, just the Bills defensive line just getting, you know, be slapped all around the field was just embarrassing. And it's not like that the uh, Miami Dolphins offensive line is setting the world on fire. They're not the Cowboys offensive line per se, you know? So it's just confusing, I guess, as to what happened with the bills. And uh, I think you're right, man. I think this is the culture and this sucks. And this is a Rex Ryan team. You know, they get all high and mighty, they puff their chest out and then they get slapped in the face. And I don't know if it's necessarily a Buffalo bills culture at least in this instance, where it's just a Rex Ryan culture. And he's starting to be a little weird with the Patriots, too. It's like, got to stop trolling these teams that are better than you guys because uh, it's going to come back and bite you, and you're probably going to be 500 at this time next week instead of 5-2 and two like you were going to hope. Or, excuse me, like 5-3 and three like you probably think you should be. But, you know. Yeah. But anyway, well, what do you see for this game about- coming up? That shows you, too, the difference in culture between the two. Like, for Rex, this game is huge. He has to troll the pass. He needs to go out in the media with all this bravado, all sizzle, no stake. To the Patriots, the Belichick, they, he just looked at it as another game. He's just like, it's another team on the schedule. We go out, we execute, we beat them. I would say the same thing about Brady usually, but Brady, like I've said before, is on his revenge tour. I feel like he's circled this date. Like, okay, you guys beat us in our place. I wasn't there. I was out with, the, you know, the mind-boggling suspension. And he's looking at it like, I'm going to come into your house now. I'm just going to burn it down. I'm going to torch you. And Brady has been on fire. I mean, he's completing 75% of his throws, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Which, by the way, the New England Patriots, with playing three quarterbacks, you know, one of which was a rookie, another – Basically, was a rookie. Had very, you know, had no career starts. Had thrown zero interceptions as a team. Brady's also got a thousand yards through three games. The guy's on fire, and I feel like he's just going to go in yeah. the Buffalo. They'll keep it close early on, but Brady and the Pats will make their second half adjustments. And I, I'm looking at Brady and the Patriots winning by at least two touchdowns in the end. I feel like he's just going to torch that Buffalo secondary, especially. And it's looking pretty likely that Aaron Williams won't be able to play after that. Uh, that uh, vicious block in the uh, Miami game there. Yeah, I guess you can call that a block. That seemed kind of dirty. It actually does seem like – it did seem like Jarvis Landry uh, had a lot of remorse about that after the fact. Uh, and that was – out of all the guys maybe in the NFL to hit, I mean, he might have been the wrong guy just because he's, he's coming off a uh, pretty substantial neck injury from last season where it was unclear if he was going to, you know, play football again, let alone this year. And the fact he's back is kind of remarkable and playing at, you know, the level he we're, we're used to seeing him playing at. Um, yeah, that was, that was pretty brutal. So unfortunately for Bills fans, I agree with you. I think, I, I think this is just another game. I thought that was a great point. I think that the Bills get Bills fans and Bills get hyped up about this. And I think a lot of Patriots fans see this game as just another W on their schedule, which, you know, what is it? 22 of the last 24 times it has been. So, you know, it, it I mean, why think that this year is any different? The Patriots personnel is better. The quarterback's better. The defense is better. Everything's better. The coaching is better. Everything's better on that side, unfortunately, except for the running game. And it's pretty damn close because LeGarrette Blunt is 1,000% killing the game this year. So, um, uh, and I know you had some LeGarrette Blunt thoughts, so let's go into that. What, uh, what did you want to say about uh, your boy LeGarrette Blunt? Other than the fact oh, he's an yeah, MVP I mean... candidate. Just the fact, I don't know if I say MVP candidate, especially with, you know, Mr. Brady <laughs> in the center there. 
But uh, he's got kind of a monster. Try to guess he's, MVP he's already got, yeah, he's already got eight touchdowns. Um, especially with Deion Lewis. I believe Deion Lewis may be coming back for them soon too, which is scary to think about. Um, but yeah, hold on, hold on. I have some, oh. I have some Deion Lewis news. But continue going. I'm going to pull that up. All right. But yeah, he's having a monster year, and that's the one advantage you think that the Bills might have is their running game with McCoy. But we don't even know if McCoy's going to be able to go at this point with that hamstring issue. I know he didn't practice. Um, it does look like Darius is coming back though, which is huge for their run defense. But in the end, I mean, it's you just got to look at the history. I mean, the Bills have not beaten the Patriots twice in a season since I want to say 2000. The you know the year or two before Brady came in. They haven't, so they haven't swept. Yeah, basically since Brady uh, New England back, since yeah. like 1999. Yeah, so I just I can't see it happening. And as much as I make fun of Bills fans, and I do troll them, and I do get a lot of pleasure out of it because they get so emotional about it, I really do want to see Buffalo win. There would be nothing better for that city than for that team to win the division to get a home playoff game. But at the end of the day, I'm a realist, and I just don't see it happening. And it's unfortunate. But like I said, I've said many times before, if the Bills pull it off, I will be the first person to man up and I will eat all of my words. Bills fans can just blow me up online and just rip me to shreds for it. I'll admit if I'm wrong. I just do not see it. No, I 100% agree with you. And my Deion Lewis news is I actually thought he had another surgery, but I actually misread it. Uh, They were reporting that the surgery he got in April was – uh, was a cleanup surgery, not a setback. Uh, this is why the Patriots are uh, the Patriots because you know they never they didn't even let that that got uh, that get out, which is kind of amazing. Deion Lewis just adds an insane element to their offense that they that I mean, it's only really going to make that offense hum a little a little more than it already is. And I want to say that they are tenth in offense right now, and that's because. Uh, old uh, TB didn't play. They are seventh in offense. Wow. And that's with Brady not playing for four games, not playing for what is, you know, at this point still a little more than half of the season. That's kind of amazing. And getting uh, Deion Lewis back is only going to add to that. So no sense in bringing them along slowly at all either, by the way. I mean, they really should just, you know, take their time with them, you know, just, just bring, just bring them in when, I would say just bring him in when when uh, when he's a hundred percent. Not even no rush him back. I would go real slow with him and have him fresh by the playoffs, and then uh, unleash uh, the uh, holy hell that's going to be the two headed monster like Garrett Blunt and uh, Deion Lewis. Um, but man, I, just looking at the AFC uh, playoff picture, and we're going to hop into that now. Just looking at the AFC playoff picture, man. It, it the Patriots ought to just. They ought to just walk through the AFC this year. It's it's almost it's almost embarrassing how much better they are than every other team. Uh, now the Roethlisberger's hurt, and you know Buffalo is you know a little bit of fool's gold. Um, and, and Pittsburgh is four and three, by the way. I mean they have the same record as Buffalo. Houston's fool's gold. Indianapolis doesn't excel at anything except for getting their you know once in a generation quarterback hit. I think Denver, you know, they're going to snap back to reality because their offense is so putrid. Oakland is five and two, but their point differential is only six. So, you know, take that as you uh, take that however you want. Kansas City, they're a little tough. I think they're pretty legitimate. Um, but in the AFC, I mean, Pittsburgh with with Big Ben and I think Kansas City, I think those are the only two legitimate contenders to 
to to take out the Patriots, and they're very, very, you know, they're good. We'll just say it like that, I guess. We'll just be direct and just say they they're they can, but they probably won't. Is the best way to say it. The playoff picture for the for the NFC. I mean, if the playoffs were to start right now, obviously New England's the one seed. That probably won't change. Uh, Oakland, I believe, is the two seed. Um, yep. Because right now they have a better conference schedule, but that's only because they've played one more conference game than Denver. Uh, Oakland's four and one. Denver's three and one. Um, oh God, Houston gets a home playoff game. Pittsburgh would get a home playoff game, and it looks like the wild cards would be Denver and Kansas City. So. Very interesting. Um, you know, that leaves Buffalo on the outside looking in, but uh, I mean, the Patriots will just roll through this putrid AFC. Yeah. And speaking of the uh, playoff, uh, you know, potential matchups, implications, what's also going to kill the Bills is that one and three record within the AFC, which I believe for yeah. any, you know, team even sniffing the playoffs is the worst record by far. That's going to kill them in the end. That, those losses to Miami, to the Jets, to Baltimore ring huge. They can beat up the NFC all they want, and they've been crushing the NFC West. But at the end of the day, when it comes to playoff time, and you don't have that tiebreaker, that getting a wild card spot is going to be proved almost impossible. And that one uh, conference win is against the New England Patriots with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, they could be looking at 0-4 yeah. in the conference. Which um, means very little. If not for an arbitrary rule that Tom Brady probably didn't break that he allegedly tried to cover up, but that's a different topic for a day we'll never have. So, um, wow, welcome aboard the uh, Bills troll train. It's not even that. It's not even necessarily we're trolling the Bills. It's just I think we're trying to be a little bit more realistic. I mean, I live in Buffalo. You lived in Buffalo for a little bit. You know, we both want to see the Bills do well, but, I mean, we have to be realistic, you know. If uh, yeah. your kid's shooting heroin, you can sit around and say how the kid, you know, is a good kid, but he's still doing heroin, and that's kind of like the Bills right now. It's like, yeah, I love them, but uh, they may be a little bit of fool's gold, and that's only because they lack, they, they lack you know, elite personnel in uh, some key positions. I mean, getting Watkins back, the Bills, I mean, the Bills could be fantastic if they had Watkins on offense. Um, you know, then, I even, mean, I'm not saying they're I'm not the, uh, sure on that. I'm not totally sold on Watkins. I almost feel like they're playing. They play better without him. I think McCoy is much more important to them getting him healthy. I could do without Watkins. That I agree with, but I think when, when they're going against a team with uh, a stout run defense, I think and Tyrod needs to beat you with his arm. He's not going to beat you with his arm throwing to Robert Woods and Marquise Goodwin and, uh, you know, uh, Charles Clay. I mean, you need that elite receiver that's going to elevate you to look like you're better than you actually are. Um, I'll, uh, you know, Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss, you know, Dante Culpepper yeah. was an MVP candidate one year uh, when, in all honesty, the MVP on that team was really Randy Moss because Culpepper with Moss and Culpepper without Moss are two different players. And I, I think in uh, similar circumstances with, uh, Tyrod, I, I think he's a good thrower. I think he's, you know, I think he's accurate, but, He's not going to throw guys open. He's not going to. I mean, he needs he needs a little bit of room for for his guys to get the ball in a in a decent spot. So I mean, and that's not an indictment of him. I actually still think he's the second best quarterback in the division, or maybe third best behind uh, you know Jimmy G. But uh, I don't I'd know. I still put him behind me, Edelman. I think. 
Oh, gentlemen. I wanted to do my for me thing from Burr, but for me, Tyrod just, you know, he's not going to win the game uh, just throwing the ball. You know, he they, they have to do a lot of different things in order to in order to generate wins. Uh, Buffalo, I like I said, I want them to do well so badly. They, they have the most passionate fan base, hands down, in the NFL. Their fans are rabid. They encourage this team through thick and thin. Hey, for example, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I, I despise other Cowboys fans, the majority of them. I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, Cowboys fans, 90% of us were douchebags. You know, and you probably even put me in that category most times. But I hope they do well. I just, I honestly don't see it. No, I don't see it either. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, with the AFC being so weak, it wouldn't surprise me if they did uh, get a playoff berth. Um, and who's to say without with Darius coming back that their defense doesn't, you know, completely change. And then Shaq Lawson adds a little bit of depth behind Alexander, but it, it's, I don't know. It, it's just not, I guess it's just not working. How the hell do we segue from like Garrett Blunt to the bills, by the way, we already done talking about the bills. So anyway, we'll move on. All right. So in the description of this episode, I wrote, uh, they also asked, What's wrong with the Vikings offense? Tony, what is wrong with the Viking, uh, Vikings offense? Oh, the offensive line, I think, is the biggest of their concerns. I mean, they had their starting left tackle uh, get injured before the season even started, Matt Khalil. Uh, they replaced him, I believe, with um, oh, I mean, uh, the long kit from Michigan. I'm blanking on it. Jake Long, Jake Long yeah. I believe. Yep. yep, yep. Jake Long, yep. And he, he just, you know, mediocre player, overvalued. Just Their offensive line is just not doing well. They gave up six sacks to the Eagles, uh, 12 quarterback hits. I, they can't block. They also can't run the ball, which just puts more pressure on Bradford. And, you know, anybody who knows a smidgen about the NFL knows that Sam Bradford is basically made a paper mache. The thing you need to worry about is protecting him because it's so hard for him to last the full 16 games. And the rate he keeps taking hits like this, it's he's not going to last long. I mean, the guy's put up decent numbers, too. He's You know, it's nothing earth-shattering, but he's got a touchdown throw in every game, seven touchdowns total, only one interception. He, he's serviceable. And when the defense is dominant as what they have, they can make a deep run in the playoffs. But, I mean, if he goes down, I, I'm scared to even think who their backup is at this point. Uh, their backup is Sean Hill, um, which – Oh boy! Uh, but yeah, I really think that I do think that that's the biggest loss, and he's not even that good of a left tackle. I mean, he's kind of a bust, in all honesty. I mean, he starts, but he's not as elite yeah. as everybody thought he was going to be after his rookie year, which he did have a nice rookie year. Uh, but he's the fourth overall pick. I mean, the guy should be uh, you know cashing in on a uh, a nice uh, high five, uh, excuse me, high five or high seven figure contract right now, and he's just not. I mean, he's just not that guy, unfortunately. For uh, yeah. for them, I also think losing Adrian Peterson, and I'm going to contradict myself here a little bit, but I, I think losing Adrian Peterson, that element, you know, I, I do think having him back there does give your receivers a little half step uh, on the cornerbacks because you don't, you're not quite as, uh, you're not quite as one dimensional. I mean, Jarek McKinnon's a nice oh, absolutely. guy. Matt Asiata, again, he's a good goal line guy, but you know, neither of them are Adrian Peterson, even at you know 31, 32 years old as Adrian Peterson is with all the miles on him, I mean, he's still an elite back. 
You know, he didn't look in yeah. the first uh, couple games of the year, but yeah. You could expect him to break one at any point, and you've got to think those safeties in the backfield, they're always, they always have their eyes on Peterson to see, you know, what he's going to do or, you know, paying more attention. And now they can just sit back and just be in coverage and wait. Like, the running game is no threat whatsoever. Before, with Peterson, you got to stack the box most times. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, he does force those corners to play up close. And uh, now they don't feel like they have to. I mean, no one's really that afraid of Jarek McKinnon and Matt Asiata. Again, also running behind that offensive line. Um, the uh, But, yeah, the, the – I mean, uh, their defense, obviously, very obviously, is the best defense in the league. They're the number one ranked defense. They create turnovers every game. I mean, they're just super impressive. They're so fast. I, I just and and Mike Zimmer. I mean, there's not a lot of and you know this as a Cowboys fan. There's not a lot of smarter defensive-minded uh, head coaches out there, defensive coordinator, or former defensive coordinators that are that level of you know of of defensive mastermind, you know, I mean, there's, you know, maybe five of those guys ever in the NFL and he's, he's one of them along with Belichick. Um, and, uh, and, um, why am I drawing a blank in your current offensive coordinator's name right now? Rod Marinelli, another guy in that level. I mean, Mike Zimmer just has that defense built to, to what he wants and, and, you know, they are exactly that. I mean, they're just, they're just absolutely dominant and they're just, uh, they're, they just, create turnovers and they, they give their offense the ball, you know, pretty often with more opportunity, obviously to score, you know, that's only going to help that. Uh, sorry. I'm a little distracted yeah. by this weird, uh, Michelob ultra commercial on the TV right now where this chick was making a really ugly face and it, it literally just threw my whole train of thought off. So I apologize. Um, but no, basically what yeah, for those that don't know, we're a little preoccupied at times because the world series is on and, you know, trying to keep an eye on, on you at the same time. Yeah, um, I, I, I was just trying to figure out what that commercial is about. It's so weird watching TV on mute uh, just because you're like, what the hell? It doesn't make any sense, some of these commercials. And then if you ever watch, like, a food commercial, it's literally just food starting at the top of your TV and ending at the bottom of your TV. It's so weird. But, uh, no, anyway, basically what I was saying is that Minnesota is a lot like the uh, 2002 Tampa Bay Bucks. You know, all defense. Offense just good enough to uh, get to 17, and the defense will take care of the rest. And that's how the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl last year. Dominant defense, you know, decent, decent offense at times with a quarterback that's smart. And, uh, you know, his always – And Sam uh, Bradford is Brad Johnson. Yes. And Sam Bradford is 2015 Peyton Manning um, without the experience, basically. But, I mean, they're still my favorite to come out. And, I'm, you know, this is our sort of uh, half-assed mid-season awards here. Or not mid-season awards, excuse me, mid-season predictions. But, I mean, they're at this point for me, they, uh, for me, Tony, they're the uh, they're my favorite still to come out of the NFC just because that defense. There's not an offense in the NFC that can go toe-to-toe with that defense and uh, do things on a consistent basis that the that the Eagles did last week. Um, I mean, if you saw in the Seattle game last year, I mean, they were a chip shot from a very good kicker from going to the second round of the playoffs and playing um, playing uh, Carolina. So, yeah. But that's, that's just my opinion. Um, 
And on that note, yeah. who do you think is the favorite? I mean, the AFC, we both have the Patriots. Let's not joke. Let's not try to get cute and pick. You know, I like the Chiefs, but I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say the Chiefs are beating the Patriots in the playoffs. No one's beating the Patriots in the playoffs. No. Not even the Steelers with Roethlisberger. Um, but uh, what and the Chiefs kind of like, the fact like that they the killed them on Monday night two years ago really is to their disadvantage at this point because now they're ready for them. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, but who's your favorite in the NFC uh, to 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 see the Patriots? And we're we're going to examine this again uh, towards the end of the year too. But as of right now, I have a Minnesota, uh, New England Patriots Super Bowl. But uh, what about you? Who do you have? See, this is where my brain and my heart are fighting each other because, you know, I, I feel like you can definitely make a case for my Cowboys right now with how they've been playing so far, how they've looked, how that offense, ball controls, that bend but bro, don't break defense. But I've learned for many years I never pick my team because then it just seems to go horribly wrong. So my heart says the Cowboys, but my brain is saying pick anyone else so then hopefully they will make it and just life will be so much better for me. But um, hey, my your early season your pick Cowboys was Green that Bay. Bad. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say my early season pick was Green Bay, but that offense and Rodgers for, I don't know what's going on with them, but they're just not clicking. Um, the only other really good team is I don't think Minnesota is going to make it past the NFC Championship game with Sam Bradford under center. I just don't think they can do it. When they win big games, when there's big games like that at conference championship, I always look at the two quarterbacks and, you know, who's the better quarterback and who do I think can lead them to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I'd have to go with a team that's already done it with Russell Wilson in Seattle. I think that'd have to be my pick right now. It's not a bad pick, and I actually don't think your Cowboys are a bad pick either. Um, I think that, you know, their their defense is actually they're, – they're solid. They're average. They bend, don't break. So, they're, they're actually in that, in that way, they're kind of impressive. Um, and their yep. offense, I mean, good God. I mean, two rookies. I mean, basically, you're on a team with two players that are battling for rookie of the year, you know? It's like the rookie of the yep. year candidate is handing out for the only other rookie of the year candidate. I mean, say whatever you want about Carson Wentz and, and uh, some of the other rookies, but, I mean, I think I think the clear front runner is Elliott, and I think the clear number two is uh, Dak, um, at least for offensive uh, rookie of the year, because uh, it just what Dak's doing with that offense, without Des Bryant, um, is, is impressive. I mean, that the poise that guy has, the maturity he has, DUI in college aside, and a lot of people I don't think know this, Eli Manning got a DUI in college. Everyone makes mistakes in college. It's not the end of the world. Who yep. cares? You know, he's clearly yeah, moved on. He's I clearly was, matured, and he's super impressive. Yeah, and I was one of those people who blasted Dak. I did it when they drafted him in the fourth round. I was like, I don't like this guy's character issues, the whole – DWI thing, and you know the guy obviously made a mistake. He's learned and matured from it, and I can't, I can't say anything bad about his character, his maturity level. Now, everything he comes out and says is always the right thing. He's leading by example. The guy has been just a stud. Nope, hundred percent, and uh, he's impressive. And again, man, I don't think you're being biased when you when you say Dallas. I, I would, I. I wouldn't have a problem picking them either. I mean, if you gave me, you know, you told me I could put money on a team, uh, it'd be very difficult to talk me out of uh, Dallas. I mean, if I wasn't picking Minnesota, Dallas would probably be second. Seattle, I don't really trust because of their offensive line issues. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Dallas' offensive line does not have any issues. You have six really good offensive linemen 
I mean, I would like yeah. it if you would loan us Lyle Collins to play left tackle so we can move Flowers over yeah. to right tackle because, you know. Yeah, it's, what a uh, deal he was. It's, it's a rough one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but <laughs> hey, if you're ever bored, Google uh, Lyle Collins and Throatzilla. That's all I'm going to say. Just Google that if you're bored sometime. Um, and, oh, Tony, we do have a, a segment at the end. It's called uh, Weekly Entertainment Fix, and we just give suggestions on uh, random forms of entertainment. I think you sort of started it last week, and I just sort of, uh, you know, just shoehorned it into the end of the show. But um, but definitely, uh, but we're definitely going to – that's not the one I was going to give you. <laughs> but um, we will uh, oh, we'll give those at the by the way, just as a heads up. You're the one. You're the one cursing and telling people to go look at sexual type videos online. No, it's not a video. It's not a video. It's a story, Tony. It's a story. And it's oh, a really funny no. story about Lyle Collins and a woman from Dallas who goes by the name Throatzilla. And uh, yeah, it's I'm just pretty funny. sure That's anyone over the age of 13 can figure out what you mean by Throatzilla. It doesn't matter. It's still inappropriate. How dare you, Bill? My, you my, know, I feel my like mother-in-law you... listens to this podcast. How dare you, sir? I definitely don't think she's Offensive. going to go. Uh, I don't think she's going to Google that. I'm just saying. Good God. Now you you're bringing way too much attention to she it. Will Google. Now that we're having this conversation, which has now become uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Good. I'm not really worried about it. I, I'm. I, you know what? I don't even live. care, Tony. I'm going to drop the F word. I will scream the F word. I'll wake my daughter up with the F word if you don't stop trolling me right now. I'm do very whatever upset. you want. I'm very you upset. You inappropriate man. How dare you? I'm just kidding. I'm I'm just kidding. I'm not upset at all. And I actually just think if, this conversation's become if hilarious. If I could for a but, second quote the great Bill Kegel and how he said he wants people to be able to listen to this podcast while they're in church. Those are your own words you used a couple weeks ago. <laughs> not while they're in church. People that go to church. <laughs> I don't remember. I have to look oh. that up now. Oh, they're gonna play it in between sermons for the uh, for the congregation. I got you. Is that what they're called, sermons? Sure. I don't know. Do you really think uh, I go to church? Come on, look at me. I know. I don't go to church either. I just want people that go there to be able to listen to the show. And then you're bringing up Throatzilla and bringing all kinds of attention to it. I don't even know what happened here. So anyway, Tori, I'm gonna get, get back, back on track. track. I'm gonna get us back on track. Don't worry, everybody. I'm here. You're back on track. You're good. Um, so anyway, uh, just put a bow on it. You think it's Seattle, New England, Super Bowl 49 uh, rematch. I'm going to go Minnesota, New England. And um, this dovetails nicely into your mysterious MVP candidate that is probably Philip Rivers. But tell me who it is. Uh, let me give you some of his amazing stats first, and then you can try to guess who it is. But this individual has 15 touchdowns in the year, only four interceptions, passer rating of 105.7. He's led his team on four game-winning drives, even though they've lost a key piece of their offense for many years. He has one solid year under his offensive coordinator, and during that year he's thrown for 35 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 4,300 yards with a passer rating of 105.2. The fact that this guy is not getting more love with those kind of numbers and how he's performing for this team are it's mind-boggling to me. And I think he is a dark horse candidate for MVP if he keeps up this pace. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? They are 4-3, and three, Tony, so that's 
that's interesting. Uh, the Detroit Lions do have a uh, uh, ah, zero, though, which is very weird. Matt Stafford is having a nice season. I'm not going to lie. That one got me. I did not expect you to say Matt Stafford, and he's probably the only guy I didn't name that's a potential MVP candidate in our, that whole thing. I was totally earlier. Um, yeah. No, that's not a bad one. I, I didn't you know, either. It away with, was the offensive coordinator thing, was the Jim Bob yeah. Cooter uh, offensive Jim coordinator. Jim Bob Cooter. If that guy didn't have that name, it probably would have stumped me. But, uh, but no, I agree with you. I actually think that Detroit's interesting because they are, they are missing their best defensive player, DeAndre Levy, um, who does just – I mean, the, other than Luke Keekley, I don't think there's a better covers linebacker in the league. I, I That guy's all over the field. I mean, he's good against the pass. He's good against the run. You know, it, it just uh, – I, I actually think they have a, a – they have the they have the elements of a good defense and they have a, they have an elite talent at every level if uh, if he's playing with uh, Darius Slay, DeAndre Levy, and Ziggy Ansa. Um, I actually think Detroit's a really nice team. I I, I think that yeah. I, I think Theo Riddick might be the most underrated player. In, yeah, I think I think they have a Jones Jr. Full of underrated Tate, players, and I'm thinking years. about it. Yeah, I think Marvin Jones underrated. Tate had a nice uh, couple of games, even though he was the start of the season slow. Theo Riddick's the most underrated, you know, athlete in all of sports. I think um, that dude had 80 catches last year. That guy's that guy's incredible. And then Darius Slay is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I mean, he's just that's just an impressive team on a lot of levels. Um, I just don't like the head coach. I think uh, Jim Bob Cooter, if his name was like Bob Anderson, would probably be the head coach. But it's hard to you know make the face of your coaching. Staff a guy named Jim Bob Cooter. And this isn't the Rex Ryan hair thing or the Rob Ryan hair thing, but I mean, Cooter is actually a really good offensive coordinator and uh, Stafford's, you know, thrived under him. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's interesting. I think, I don't think he'll win it, but I definitely agree with you that he should get some consideration for sure. Cause I watched a couple of Lions games and um, he's looked really good. The one against Indianapolis. I mean, he drove him right down the field and ran those Indianapolis defense. But I mean, I, he just, yeah, I don't know. I, he isn't making a ton of mistakes. He looks fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he did the same thing on the game last week against Washington. I mean, they're down with under a minute left. He drove them 75 yards down the field in 49 seconds for the game-winning score. He's got four game-winning drives this season. The guy is performing. I mean, his numbers look great. He's playing great. And you talked about Detroit's point differential. I'm Every game that they played in, with the exception of Green Bay, which they only lost by seven, every other game has been decided within four points or less. They play nothing but close games. And, I mean, of course, I can go one way or the other in the end, but with the way Stafford's playing and that confidence, and we talked earlier about Buffalo and their culture, Detroit has the same kind of culture where, you know, they're up, everything's going great, fans are optimistic, and then the rug gets pulled out from under them. And for Stafford to, you know, kind of reverse that trend, with the last game against Washington says a lot for them and, you know, how they can go, how, can, how they can play going forward. And uh, one last point, in their next two games, they're at Houston and at Minnesota, two really good, great defenses where it, this is basically where Stafford can prove it to everyone right here. You know, perform well in those two games, play close, maybe win both of them. I mean, you know, you can make an even stronger case for MVP. I agree with you. It's actually hard to disagree with that logic, to be honest with you. And it's, you know, I, I, I like you because I like you on the show, Tony, because I disagree with you a lot, but you're making a lot of sense right now to me. And, uh, I mean, even though he wouldn't be my first choice for MVP, um, him being left out of the conversation would 100% be a mistake through uh, the first seven games of the year. 
uh, I, I agree with you. I think my MVP right now, you ready for the most underwhelming MVP choice of, uh, of all time? You gotta say Tom Brady, aren't you? It, it's Tom terrific, man. I, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you guy, can't argue against it. Third. It's much you really like LeBron can't. James. The, the, the guy is the best player. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's hard to go against, especially in a shortened season for him in only 12 games. He, I mean, the guy's killing it. I wouldn't be upset at all. He's by absolutely it. killing it. He's played three games. He has eight touchdowns and a thousand passing yards, no interceptions, and he's completing like almost 70 percent of his passes. I don't have his exact stats in front of me because 75%. my laptop has 75 percent of his passes. That's incredible. Good God. Um, the guy's yeah, already that's, in that's ridiculous. After three games. He's <laughs> in midseason form in his first drive against Cleveland. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would also – I mean, for some other potential MVP candidates, I would throw Julio on there. Uh, I mean, you can't yep, throw Julio absolutely. without having Matt Ryan. I agree with you about Matt Stafford. Uh, I'm trying to think who else there. Um, God, Elliot, I think Ezekiel Elliott, 100%. I mean, that team is 5-1. Yep. and one. And I think if you, I think if you, they play the Giants right now, I think they'd be six and zero. Oh. <laughs> I really do. I think Derek Carr is uh, uh, definitely. A, go ahead. No, sorry, I was gonna say, and with Elliott too, it's not just his offense, which is incredible. I mean, the guy killing it. It's also his pass blocking, and what people often forget is that Dallas' defense is mediocre, and the fact that they can run the ball and control the clock the way they do, keep that defense off the field, it's such a benefit to them. It is, because, um, yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think, I, I mean, I think to be that polished as a pass blocker is 100%, and I said this, I think, last week or the week before, is 100% the reason that Ezekiel Elliott is the uh, was drafted in the top five uh, well, he's his fourth overall, if I'm not mistaken. And he 100% deserved to go there. because. But I think if his, he doesn't have the pass-blocking ability that he does, that was one of the nastiest pitches I've ever seen by Jake Arrieta. Wow. That curveball started over the dude's head and just landed right in the middle of the plate. That was a fantastic-looking curveball. Um, uh, bottom of the fourth, uh, 0-1, and a slider just misses. Um, I've never called baseball before. That was my first First try. Oh wow! You're you're, but, uh, you're real Bob Euchre. Jesus, I know. Move over, Just Billy Buck isn't. That's my Ball favorite four. line for that movie, by the way. Ball eight. <laughs> Ball twelve. I don't know how they're laying off pitches. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, I love these albine eyelash at third. Is one of my favorite ones. Oh. <laughs> Slid me even making to the base. It's hilarious. Um, real wow, quick, three pitches, since we're on Bob Euchre, anyway. Wow. Yeah. I, I loved how uh, fans online were basically trolling uh, Joe Buck, and they were trying to get Bob Euchre. There's a petition to get Bob Euchre to announce the World Series, which I was all for. I would love the Bob Euchre thing just for the novelty of it. Um, but uh, and John Candy, uh, somehow to call the Cubs home games and Bob Euchre to call the Indians home games, if we're going with the uh, with the Indians, uh, uh, Indians-Cubs movies from the mid-'90s geared towards uh I don't know if they're geared towards kids anyway. I know rookie of the year obviously, but uh I don't know if Major League was. But as for this guy as a kid, I absolutely loved that movie. Um both of them. But uh Major League yeah. one two that is. But if but by I any think Joe Buck gets a lot millennials of millennials they need to go watch Major yeah. League and Rookie of the Year. Amazing movies. 
Major League One and Two. I enjoyed both. You can go ahead and skip Major League Three, but um, but uh, but anyway, to put a brawl on this uh, MVP talk, mine is Tom Brady. I think you can make a case for Derek Carr, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, and Matt Stafford. I think all have cases, but I actually think it's it's Tom Terrifics to lose. I think in Vegas right now he's the favorite to win. So anyway, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about this World Series or, here real quick and real yes. real quick before we move on. Um, I, I could also make a case for if he comes back, and plays terrific, and let's say somehow you know they get the number two seed or even beat out New England, maybe Roethlisberger. I mean that's a real outside shot because I think he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, he he's always a candidate. It's kind of insane to me that he's never won it. Um, but I don't know. Um, I don't think I don't think he'll be close at the end of the year. I think this D injury is a little uh, is probably going to affect him a little bit more, especially when he comes back. Um, I think he's yeah. going to come back and he's going to he's going to be a little he, he's going to he's going to start slow. I think, but um, but yeah, I mean it's not a bad choice. If he didn't get hurt, he'd probably be in the mix for sure. But um, but yeah, so uh, no no no, I don't want to talk World Series. By the way, I forgot. I wonder we we wanted to sort of talk about this. ESPN getting terrible Monday night games. Now you looked it up there. They don't have an actual, a terrible slate this year, but just historically, I mean, it'd be impossible to die that they've got, they've got just terrible, terrible games. And one of the yeah. theories, and I don't even know if it's a theory. I think at this point, it's starting to look like it might be a fact is that basically the NFL sabotaged ESPN um, because of the show playmakers. ESPN in 2003, it only aired for like three months too, August to November, so four months, 11 episodes. ESPN had original content back then that wasn't a 30 for 30. They tried to do like legit television shows. And one of them, and this guy watching every single episode, was a show called Playmakers. And uh, Playmakers was, was, yeah, was a – just sort of a, a dramatization of the NFL, but the fact that it ruffled so many feathers within the NFL, owners were upset. I mean, Hugh, Hugh, excuse me, Hugh Laurie, uh, Jeffrey Laurie is quoted as saying, imagine many mouse were portrayed by Pablo Escobar in the Magic Kingdom as the drug cartel. That is the, that is playmakers to the NFL. If, uh, you know, if they're making a Disney movie, you know, if, 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 if the show runner, it is a great analogy, and I, I just thought it was really funny that, you know, it, it just ruffled so many feathers, which made me think that maybe maybe a lot of what we were watching the Playmakers happens more than we know. And and the theory is, is that the NFL punished ESPN, who was bidding for Monday Night Football at the time, uh, and I, they ended up winning the bid, which their bidding system is weird. They do a blind bid. I would, that would be terrible. But the NFL has that kind of leverage. Uh, $1.1 billion to get that back then. And I want to say it's more now because I think they re-upped uh, relatively recently. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, a lot of people think that that's the reason, Bill Simmons included. I think the first time I heard this theory was on a podcast with um, James Andrew Miller, the guy that wrote the CAA and uh, the ESPN book from a couple of years ago, These Guys Have All the Fun. Uh, he was on a podcast with them, and he was talking about playmakers in the NFL trying to just stick it to to ESPN because of that show. Um, and, and ESPN, or excuse me, the NFL actually got it taken off the air. Although ESPN did air every episode. I remember the last episode they had a gay wide receiver, and uh, he came out of the closet and then scored like the game winning touchdown or something like that to get him to the playoffs. 
I mean, and then there was the old aging running back that struck his wife, the young running back that was coked up, the the quarterback that was, you know, sleeping with all these women. There was just, it was just, you know, it had every sort of NFL stereotype, but the stereotype might have been true, considering, again, like I said, how angry the uh, the NFL got over it. But what are your what are your recollections about the show Playmakers? I'd love to watch it again. Oh, I- I, I loved it. I mean, I need to go back on YouTube and watch it again. I thought it was great. I was, I was excited for a potential season two, which, you know, we all know because of the NFL never happened. I thought it was, yeah. you know, not, learning more and more as we go on about the NFL, and like, you know, the domestic violence behind the scenes, drug abuse, you know, so many other issues in the league. It seems very true to life. It's like you said, you know, there's stereotypes about the league and players, but, you know, stereotypes are often true for a reason. There's at least some basis for it. I mean. Right. No, I a hundred percent agreed. Um, and, uh, I mean, the domestic violence thing, you actually reminded me, I actually forgot to write it in the show description. And, uh, since the story is now almost a week old, um, because the, the Josh Brown stuff came out right after, uh, we did our show last week, the day after our show uh, last week. So on Thursday, I definitely would have had a lot more animated of a reaction. But since then, the Giants have released Josh Brown. Um, after a- Animated is the adjective you're going to use? Because I spent a good 45 minutes on the phone with you basically screaming about it and how upset and disappointed you were with your New York football Giants. I'm still disappointed, but I'm a little bit more reserved now. I think I got the emotional part out of it, um, out of me, um, which, you know, I should have sh- should have saved for the show. But now that I'm not doing it in my garage, it's actually a little more difficult for me to be as animated as I uh, am used to being. But so here's a couple of things that I, I was thinking about, which is, all right, he admitted to John Mayer about abuse, okay? Um, you know what? I, I sort of understand there's a little bit of the – you know, initial benefit of doubt, gave him a chance, blah, blah, blah. He probably didn't give him the full story, probably gave him some abbreviated story. Now, again, this is just my, this is just my hunch. Gave him an abbreviated story. I'm emotionally abusive. You know, I, I, you know, I pushed her, something like that. Josh Brown did come out and say, it's important to note, I never struck my wife. It's like, okay, I would rather be thrown, I'd rather be punched in the face than thrown into, you know, a moving car. So, you know, great, I guess. It's not important to know. Abuse is abuse is abuse. That's ridiculous. Physical abuse is physical abuse. I don't care if you struck her or pushed her against something. It's still, to me, it's not apples and oranges. It's not not gray. It's pretty damn black and white. Abuse is abuse. I mean, the emotional stuff aside, the the belittling your stuff aside, I mean, that is just putrid. Like, and to say that it's important to know, it's not important to know. That shows no remorse to me. That's absolutely ridiculous. And the thing that's even more ridiculous, Tony, and that's why I can't let the Giants off the hook for this, is the fact that the Giants and the NFL were very aware of his, how he dealt with his wife when he was angry because of an incident at the 2015 Pro Bowl to a point where they had to get the wife and the kids this is the important thing to note. The kids, the kids, all right, they had to move them to a secret hotel and not tell him where they were because he was such a threat to them. That's ridiculous to me. That's absolutely ridiculous. 
And to say you have no knowledge and re-sign him and feel comfortable and to come out and say that you feel comfortable about that seems absurd after that incident at the Pro Bowl. That just, to me, makes me want to puke thinking about. They also had knowledge of his arrest when the contract was offered in, in April. He was arrested in April for domestic violence, and they gave him a contract after and, and the quote-unquote no knowledge, they had enough knowledge to warrant a suspension, so they knew something. And the fact that they said, oh, I, we, could, we didn't know, we didn't know. Whenever, you're, whenever a player in the NFL is arrested, Tony, I would love to know why the NFL doesn't get the very public records, especially as an employer, from the police department that arrested them to see exactly what transpired. You know, I, it just it seems ridiculous. This is the Ray Rice thing all over again. And it's just granted because we're not physically seeing it. We don't have quite the visceral reaction that we did to the Ray Rice, you know, clocking his wife thing. But I, I think it's, I, it's the same thing. He's still abusing his wife, whether you see it or not. It happened. All right, and I, I get it. It's human nature to do that. But as the NFL, you're, you are his employer. The New York Giants are his employer. So because you didn't physically see it on a videotape, or you didn't see it physically happen, the fact remains that it happened. It's documented. He wrote it in a journal as part of a counseling session. And to let that guy go back onto the team with a new two-year contract, pay that guy $2 million a year as a effing kicker, I'm trying so hard not to swear right now, is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And another thing, I want to know how it's different than what Adrian Peterson, Greg Hardy, and Ray McDonald did. There's no evidence. There's no. There's no video of them in their quote unquote domestic issues. There's pictures of Greg Hardy's wife. There's pictures of Adrian Peterson's son. Ray McDonald did it twice in like a week. So his was misdemeanor charges that were dropped, which is ridiculous. And then his comments in August, which was an effing lie, was it was only a moment. It wasn't a moment. There's a systematic evidence that there's uh, that that this has been going on since at least 2013 probably longer and he's probably done this to every single woman that he's ever been with you know this is this is just ridiculous his wife claims that it happened there's 20 plus uh, incidents excuse me and and the only moment thing i mean come on really it's only a moment you're gonna sit and look at the media who is asking you a direct question about your suspension your one game suspension said it was only a moment that is a complete load of crap and i am again trying so hard not to swear right now but my question is is okay all this happened right all this happened the nfl has had this happen on what there's four high-profile occasions where there's been domestic violence with players of above-average to elite levels, right, with, with Ray Rice, Adrian Peters, Greg Hardy, and Ray McDonald. It's all happened, all right? So with those situations behind them now, behind them, and having a, a sort of a syllabus or whatever, a, a, a way to, you know, handle domestic violence after those very, very – Again, high-profile incidences, when and where do they start asking questions when any domestic incident comes up? I, 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 I'm just at a, a complete loss for words as to what the NFL is or isn't doing. And do they have a zero-tolerance policy or do they not? I mean, I, I just I still don't understand how this, this in, these incidences keep coming up with no kind of, like, no kind of system in place to investigate it. 
once some once a player is arrested for for domestic violence, why isn't the NFL on the phone with the police department? Why aren't they getting you know copies of affidavits and police reports? And why aren't they suspending these guys until things are figured out? I mean, this is. I, I, ju- I just don't get it. It's a rebotching of the Ray Rice situation. It just doesn't make sense. End rant. Go ahead, Tony. What do you have to say? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. And it's, as far as getting the police reports and everything, like you said, they should be suspended right off the bat. Be proactive rather than reactive. You may, you know, we just had the Ray Rice case a couple of years ago where they made the same stupid mistakes. You know it's happening. You can get the information about it. I mean, it's public record arrest, you know, police arrest records. You can go online and, and request them and get them. And I believe I told you about the fact that um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. I think it was Upshaw, the head of like NFL security, sent the uh, the chief in uh, Washington, the state that it happened in the you know the the case on the domestic violence, sent him an email from his personal email account. Didn't reference at any point or acknowledge that he was rep- a representative of the NFL asking for this information, and basically, the, you know, the chief turned him down. He can't release it legally anyways, but he also said, too, I'm not going to just give it to some random person. At no point did he acknowledge that he was, you know, representative of the NFL. And it's just, it's, the whole thing is disgusting to me. It's all NFL lip service. They're more concerned about flagging and fining guys for flamboyant touchdown celebrations. They're more concerned with how much air has been deflated out of football rather than, you know, the big important topics like domestic abuse. They're more worried about suspending a guy for four games for failing a drug test for pot, which is legal in many states now, rather than worrying about a guy who systematically and repeatedly beats his wife and they know about it. It's mind-boggling to me. And especially, you know, during the month of breast cancer awareness, how, you know, they're concerned about women. They have all these commercials going about, you know, watching women's kids so they can go get a breast screening. It's just NFL lip service. It's complete and utter bull. If you really wanted to make a point and you wanted to donate to a good cause, why not make October Domestic Violence Awareness Month? Donate to something like that. And don't. when I say donate to, I mean, this is a tax-exempt organization. Give more than, what, 1% of every 5% of jersey sales you give, like, a, a, you know, a few pennies on the, you know, a few hundred dollars you make, it, it's ridiculous. And at the end of the day, domestic violence is a horrible thing. You know, ever putting your hands on a woman is wrong, no matter the situation. And all that being the same, all that out the window, at the end of the day, if you look at it from a, from a team perspective or organization perspective, he's a goddamn kicker. This isn't your star quarterback. This isn't your franchise player. It's a dime a dozen kicker. And you, you know, you stand behind him and take the risk with this guy. Like, it, uh, it's just mind-boggling to me. It's, it's absurd. I, I've got nothing else on it. I'm just, it's sickening to me. It's a little sickening, and it's sort of the touch on your uh, NFL and their, um, quote unquote, uh, you know, awareness months. Like next month is going to be like, uh, you know, about the veterans, and this month's breast cancer. Remember, I remember. I think it was like two years ago. Brandon Marshall wore the lime green cleats for mental health awareness, and he got fined every single time he wore them. But Brandon Marshall is a, you know, a, a I don't want to say survivor, but he's a, um, a, a recovering from, you know, yes. severe mental health issues. I mean, yes, severe well anti-personality. Issues with depression. Decision. 
with depression and anti-personality disorder. I mean, that stuff serial killers have. And and not to get out in front of that guy and support him on, you know, his road to recovery, I think is, 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 is so hypocritical because the NFL is not making a nickel off of it. I mean, and that's yep, just exactly. ridiculous. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So it even goes if back you guys to want to the, donate to your money, so we'll, go ahead. The, the Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, after those Dallas officers were slain, they wanted to wear decals on the back of their helmets. And the NFL, you know, turned yep. them down. And like you said, because they cannot monetize it. They can't make a penny off of it. It's sickening how greedy this league has become. It's mind-boggling. Like, uh, when is, yeah, when is it, so it, much money enough money? How much more do you need to make, honestly? I mean, I think having games in London are uh, are a good example of that, and that's something we'll touch on at a later time. But oh my God, these games in London have just become atrocious. But anyway, let's not spiral out into into a uh, into a uh, a wormhole we don't really need to right now. And 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 I'm more talking to myself than you. But uh, but yeah, the yeah. Josh Brown thing was just fumbled ridiculous. The Giants are not no longer exempt from having blemishes. They look like a squeaky clean organization, and they're not. No team is, and you know. They, it just happens. I mean, I, I, and this is this is look at look at you know Andy Reid, really good, right? With with evaluating talent that isn't you know they're not a bad guy, right? This Ty Hill guy might be one of the worst guys in the NFL. Um, uh, you know the Patriots had a serial killer on their team for crying out loud. That granted they didn't know that, but his issues in Florida are well documented. I mean, he opened fire on a street at people, uh, you know, Reggie Nelson, oh, yeah. same thing. I, Reggie Nelson was involved in an incident. Um, I mean, there is rumblings that he was involved with those shootings in Boston before the, uh, before the incident in, uh, in June of 2000, or excuse me, June of 2013. Yeah. So it, it's just, you know, it, it, I don't know. It, it, nobody's it, exempt. Yeah, I mean, I, the Pittsburgh Steelers, same thing. You know, Ben Roethlisberger yep. and his issues pre, you know, his, his his maturity and pre getting married or whatever, which is, you know, seemed to make him a different guy. But, I mean, you know, none of these teams are squeaky clean. The Giants aren't exempt. The Steelers aren't exempt. The Patriots aren't exempt. Uh, nobody aren't I mean, exempt. Just, I mean, you know. look, at, look at the Greg Hardy situation, for example. And, you know, I dare anyone to say, oh, you know, you're against the Giants and Josh Brown because it's your rival. When the no. Cowboys no, don't sign Greg Hardy – you can go back on my Facebook page and look. I was so against it. I thought it was ridiculous with what he did to his girlfriend. The guy is pure scum. I wanted him off the team as soon as possible. And in the end, the juice wasn't right. worth the squeeze. I mean, he, he didn't even perform that well. Right. And, and um, no, this stuff sort of transcends fandom. I mean, I've been a Giants fan since I was, you know, as far back as I can remember. I'm 30 – I'll be 33 in a couple months. I was seven years old when Super Bowl twenty five happened and um and I was just turned seven years old and I was a Giants fan at that moment. So I, I mean my Giants fandom is, is it runs deep. I wanted to name my daughter Eli for Christ's sake. Like that I, I'm just absolutely in love with that team. But I, this is this is definitely a low point for me as far as as far as, you know, my my Giants fandom. It's it's really at a all time low, and it has nothing to do with their performance on the field. It has nothing to do with our star wide receiver, you know, kicking, you know, kicking nets. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with their just absolute poor handling of the situation. I mean, you know, they released him now, fine, but he should have been released in 2015. You know, January 2015. I mean, he should have been on the team. He should have got another contract. 
you know, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things to stand behind guys for. Brandon Marshall's incidents with his mental health, stand behind him for that. Guy has a drug addiction, addiction, stand behind him for that. But once you start putting your hands on women and children, Adrian Peterson is not exempt from this, by the way. I think he's a future disgusting human being. And if you even want to hate Adrian Peterson more, go Google his uh, charity foundation, the, uh, what is it, the All Day, All Day Foundation. Go ahead and Google that and, ask, and, and look where the money goes. Uh, well, I went to getting his brother involved in an orgy and um, uh, some forged text uh, returns uh, to a uh, something along the line. I read this uh, a couple of years ago, so forgive me for my uh, poor information, but uh, something about a church supposing to receive $75,000 that it ever received. I mean, he, he just not a good dude off the field, just a lot of mistakes, you know, Disciplining your kid is one thing. Violently beating him with a switch is another. He's not accept. He's not exempt. I, 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 I am as disgusted with that with that situation as I am with the Josh Brown situation. It's just it's it's all pretty gross. And you know what? It's a game. Stop looking up to these people. I pray my daughter doesn't look up to athletes um, and looks up to uh, you know hopefully me and my wife more my wife more than me. But. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, it's just across the board. It has nothing to do with you being a Cowboys fan and your hatred of Greg Hardy. You are not being biased in this incident. You and I had long conversations about Greg Hardy and how disgusted you were with him being on your team. Uh, so, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, anything else on that? Because I, I want to talk about something a little more positive. No, I'm I'm good. Yeah, let's let's definitely move on to something more happy. We're starting to become like NBC Nightly News, where it's just a lot of depressing talk, and then right at the end, we squeeze in 30 seconds of something happy. <laughs> That's a good point. So Jake Arrieta's pitching. Uh, I don't. I think he still has a no hitter. By the way, um, geez, uh, I, I really hope the Cubs get one here um, at, at Cleveland because they're so much better at home. Um, as is every team, but they're they're significantly better at home. I want to say that they have a 50-point uh, higher batting average at home, and um, so I'm really hoping for that. I'm hoping for the Cubbies because this 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 poor team. Talk about cursed. I mean, I don't believe in curses, but if I did, it would be because of the Cubs. No, the Cubs but, for sure are cursed. I mean, 100 plus yeah. years, and I I can't wait for Game Three in Chicago Friday night. If there may never be a more just party, amped up atmosphere than Wrigley will be on Friday night. It's going to be bananas. I, I cannot wait. I, I wish I could go. It's just to be in that town. I, I'm going to go to the game, you know, because the tickets are like three grand for standing room only. But just to be in that city during it and the energy and the atmosphere. I mean, the only thing I can equate it to is here in Syracuse, my senior year, when they won the national title in basketball. And I went to the Dome to watch the final game. And just the pure euphoria the whole town felt and how everybody came together. It's like everyone there was friends and family and everyone was going nuts. And that's maybe like one one-hundredth of what Chicago will be like on Friday. And then uh, only to have it superseded on Saturday – and then, uh, I, I I mean, ideally, in a perfect world, they would win it in game six. If they're going to win it, they would win it in game six at home at Wrigley. Um, that would be awesome. No, game six would be back um, in Cleveland. I, wait, what did they, 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 what do they do? Uh, right. They do 2-3-2? Two, 2-3-2, three, two? Two, three, two, yes. The only way the Cubs could win the World Series at home is if they just sweep the next four games and they can win it 
game five in Chicago. It, it's so unfortunate that, you know, the stupid uh, the all-star game decided home field. The all-star AL game. Got it because, yeah, it would be so much better if Chicago could win it at home. It would be amazing. But, I, you know, I'm picking Chicago oh, yeah. in seven. I don't see them winning in five, really, anyway. Oh, that's ridiculous. Wait a minute. I thought it was – oh, I got it mixed up in the NBA then. I hate that yeah. stupid rule. Yeah. The Cubs Baseball had 10 two, more three, wins two. than Cleveland, right? What do they have, like eight or nine more mm-hmm. wins? Ten more wins than Cleveland? That's ridiculous. I they know. home field. What's the point of playing the season? I, yeah. I know they had the best record in baseball, like 103, maybe even more wins. But, yeah, it is it is pretty dumb to decide in the All-Star game. I don't really think it's health ratings like they hoped at all. So. It's a little ridiculous. Excuse my yawn here. So, um, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. But, um, all right, so uh, <laughs> so we're going to do our entertainment pick, our entertainment uh, fix. So this is basically as if you're bored. And you're like, man, I really, I really need entertainment right now because you know we all say that. And um, I, I'm gonna go first just because I want to get mine out of the way because I cannot wait to hear yours. Apparently, this is going oh, to be terrible for me. Oh, you're gonna hate it. So I'm going. Yeah, I know. I'm going first. I am going to uh, give you uh, a podcast to listen to. And this podcast, mm-hmm. if you're a history nerd uh, or just really like good stories. Google or uh, excuse me, download the podcast called Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. If you haven't heard of it, or you're not listening to it, or you are, go and you haven't heard Prophets of Doom. <laughs> go ahead and do yourself a favor and listen to that. And you don't have to listen to it all at once. It's uh, it is long, and it's a story about the the beginning of um, Lutheranism and uh, torture. It's extremely fascinating story. Um, but then there's also Blueprint for Armageddon, especially the uh, the first. I think that's the first of uh, a six-part uh, series about about World War One and how World War One got started, and basically how that you know snowballed into World War Two and the rise of communist Russia, and then modern terrorism as we know it was all started because of one unfortunate wrong turn in a vehicle. I, a lot of people know how it started because of. Uh, Archduke Ferdinand getting assassinated, but when you hear the backstory as to how and where he was assassinated is absolutely insane. It literally, the whole world changed on a wrong turn in a car stalling, trying to back up that it's absolutely fascinating how that whole thing, how that whole thing, that major, that major world changing event, that whole thing, as it's referred to by me, uh, all started. It, it, it's absolutely incredible. Um, but do yourself a favor and listen to Dan Carlin's hardcore history. Super, super fascinating uh, stuff right there. So, um, all right, Tony, go ahead. Oh, I'll just uh, play off yours quick. Um, some people might not know this about me and probably wouldn't assume it if they know me at all, but uh, I am a huge history buff. Um, more so World War II, but, I'll, you know, I'll get deep in World War One as well. Um, and Maggie would often pick on me about it because we would just go through Netflix, and she loves documentaries. Not so much ones on World War II. You give me a World War II documentary or a Holocaust documentary, I find it completely fascinating. I will watch it for hours on end. Don't get me wrong, it's some of the most depressing stuff you'll ever watch, but I, I'm I'm so fully involved in it. And, I, you know, she'll ask me, like, why don't I watch something else? It's just so sad and depressing. And, yes, I had to say it like that because I told her I would do Maggie's voice. But, um, yeah, I I'm, I just downloaded it. I'm fully, fully in on these uh, 
on these podcasts about history. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm excited. And then, and then something yeah. funny, by the way, while you're trying to pull your thing up that you should watch on True yep. TV is Billy on the Street. A lot of times it comes on right after Impractical Jokers, which everybody likes. Billy on the Street is absolutely hysterical. It's one of the funny. It's if not the funniest show on TV. Um, definitely check it out. It's different. There's nothing like it on TV. It's <laughs> it's it's creative. I'll just say it like that. Billy Eichner is a comedian. He does it. It's uh, fantastic. Um, he's one of Bill Burr's favorite comedians. Um, uh, and you know, if you can make Bill Burr laugh, then uh, you must be doing something right. So. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, Tony, go ahead. All right. Uh, uh, Sunday night, um, not only do you have Cowboys-Eagles, which looks like an awesome Sunday night game, and, of course, you know, for biased reasons, I'm very excited for. Not only do you have The Walking Dead, but on the award-winning WWE Network, WWE Raw presents its Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And, you know, People that know me, I'm a huge booger-eating wrestling fan. You can make fun of me all you want. I don't care. I love it. I own it. I have probably 20 wrestling T-shirts in my closet. Screw you. I like what I like. But this pay-per-view will be historic for important reasons. And to quote Maggie, this is hashtag feminism. The main event is looking to be, for the first time ever, inside the Hell in a Cell structure, a women's title match as Charlotte, the daughter of Ric Flair goes up against the champion, Sasha Banks. And I love the, the new push that WWE has made where they're putting women into the forefront. No longer about stupid bikini contests, about models, about lingerie pillow fights. These are athletic women doing athletic things in a ring. Oftentimes, they just take your breath away. Their matches they're putting on are better than the men. So if anyone gets the chance or they're interested, also um, – your first month of the WWE Network is free, so I highly suggest if there were a time for you to check it out, this will be the month. I am beyond excited for this match, so much so that I actually took off the day of work on Monday so that I could fit in Walking Dead, the Sunday night game, and Hell in a Cell all in one night. That is uh, a great suggestion. I wish I liked uh, wrestling because uh, you get me a little hyped for it, a little more than I need to be. But... um. It's going to be a but great definitely match. Related I, I, I'm excited. I am going to be Googling Ric Flair's daughter after this because I am very curious to see if she looks exactly like him or not. Um, Genetic I, freak. Uh, she is built. I mean, this, she is athletic as hell and tall. It's amazing. No, interesting. Um, I also Woo! wanted to point out that I did watch the uh, – thank you. Uh, I did watch the uh, – Kate Manning thing you told me, told us to watch last week. I actually did watch oh. it at my DVR. I did, I did knock it out real quick. It was uh, Peyton Manning's, uh, you know what, I liked it. The only thing I didn't like is where he was given, like, that PowerPoint presentation. And it was, like, it was supposed to be supposed to come by for 20 minutes, and that turned into three hours. Basically, that reminded me of a guy you and I used to work with. But even worse, reminded me of, like, remember, like, the teacher be like, all right, uh, you guys are more than welcome to cut out. Oh, this is what I was in college, by the way. You guys are more than welcome to cut out early if uh, if nobody has any questions. Then some asshole raises their hand, and yes, I just swore it. I don't care. Uh, if you're in church right now, don't listen to this. But some asshole raises their hand, and then they like keep th- th- then they're like talking for the next like ten minutes. Like, well, we're not getting out early now because you won't shut up. But I learned that I just got up and left because once he said, if nobody has any questions, you can go. 
So I just assumed that you can go is the part that he meant, and he was speaking directly to me, so I just left. But that's what that Peyton Manning thing just reminded me. It's supposed to be there for 20 minutes. One of those guys had families or had a doctor's appointment they had to get their daughter to. You can't just walk out on a Peyton Manning PowerPoint presentation. They had to sit there for two hours and 20 minutes longer than they wanted to. That was kind of rude by him, I thought. Yeah, I'm gone in that scenario. Yeah, ditto. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, my wife was telling me that she had a uh, had a teacher uh, make them stay 20 minutes after class because he was disappointed in something they were doing. I was like, MFR, I pay your salary. I'm, I'm paying out my A for this freaking school, and I'm supposed to uh, sit here and listen to you for longer than I'm supposed to? Absolutely not. I would have definitely rolled out, especially in college. Yeah, Look, what, are you going to suspend me? You're going to stop taking my money? Look, yeah, right. College is so expensive. I was like, absolutely not. Like, no bonus time. This is this is ridiculous. So yeah. Anyway, I just thought that that was uh, that's what that Peyton Manning thing reminded me of. I did like that though, and I also thought Eli had a way better jump shot than Peyton did. Just way better form. Peyton's look like uh, it just looks like a twelve year old. You know, like you're not quite. You can't quite tuck your elbow and you can't quite snap your wrist. So you do that weird where you're just pushing it uh, basically from like your uh, from like right above your belly button, and then you're just flinging it towards the hoop. That's what Peyton's jump shot looked like. Eli had a nice little, uh, he had a nice little wrist flick there. He had, he had decent form. Definitely not the most athletic guys on the planet, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're not. <laughs> neither of them were Ray Allen in the jump shooting department. Tony, are you gone or what's up? Did I mute you? Did oh, I no, mute sorry. myself? Oh, yeah, no, no, was, what what was, just happened? I was just texting you something important, quick. Uh, little little behind the scenes detail. Mad behind the scenes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll end the show. Uh, we'll we'll go ahead and end it so you can uh, go get to what you need to get to. Um, eggplant. So uh, yep, this is uh, this is Bill Kegel. That is Tony DiNicola. For those that are listening to the show for the first time, um, sorry. <laughs> not not my best episode, but I thought it. Uh, you know, like, I I look forward to looking back uh, or listening back to it tomorrow, and then reporting next week how it wasn't as bad as I thought, which is generally what happens. So um, follow Tony and I on Twitter at Utica Vendor. Still got to change that, Tony. Um, yeah, and, uh, if I'm anyone can Eagle. hit me up and explain to me how to change a Twitter handle, I would appreciate it. I know it can be done. I don't know how to do it. I'm going to try to look into that sure. tomorrow. Yeah, but um, yeah, go ahead and do that. And uh, I'm at Bill Kegel, B I L L K E A G L E. Good times. And uh, I can hear my daughter crying in the bedroom, so uh, doesn't look like old Bill's going to sleep in the next uh, handful of minutes. So all good, man. Perks of being a dad. Look forward to that, Tony, in a few years. And um, and uh, yeah, I'm oh, pretty sure I'm shooting that. Like I forgot. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing I was gonna say is uh. Go to backsportspage.com. Uh, you know we have some columns uh, columns up over there. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and go give those a nice uh, nice read there. And um, Tony, good talk. Talk to you most likely tomorrow and again next week. So um, we got to think of a, a fun outro. But for now, I'm just gonna say good day. <laughs>